Welcome to the IAH Podcast, where we profile current and former fellows of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities here at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I'm Philip Hollingsworth, Coordinator for Faculty Programs. In this episode, Communication Specialist Melissa Clay and I speak with Jennifer Ho, Associate Professor of English and recently appointed Associate Director of the Institute for the Arts and Humanities. In part one of our conversation, Dr. Ho speaks with us about her academic journey leading to her new position at the IAH. She attributes effective mentorship as a key factor to her success. And we also discuss Dr. Ho's goals in her new position as Associate Director, as well as advice for incoming faculty to the UNC campus community. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just uh, part of our mission at the IAH is to recruit, refresh, develop, and retain our world-class faculty. And I hope that part of this discussion will help other faculty to sort of hear how one blazes a path. So if you could talk a little bit about what led you to this point, where you are about to become the associate director at the Institute for the Arts and Humanities and sort of all things up. Sure. And then also doing the uh, academic leadership program yes. at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> when do you sleep, for instance? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I'm not sure how far back you want to go, and the reason I'm asking that is I've got an essay that's coming out probably in the next uh, semester called The Accidental and Ambivalent Academic. So uh, to answer your question, Melissa, I would say that I did not have a master plan to end up with tenure at a foremost Research One university, um, let alone to be named as the associate director for one of the most prestigious humanities institutes in our nation. Um, that was certainly the furthest thing from my mind when Joy Casson led me on a tour of UNC Chapel Hill, and in particular, she took me to the IAH, and she led me to the incubator room, and at the time, the incubator room was set up with these pods. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've seen pictures, <laughs> um, which in theory was where faculty could come and use it as a quiet space to work on their research, and Joy turned to me and said, um, and when you apply to the IAH and become a fellow, this is where you could be. And I remember looking at her like, <laughs> what is she talking about? <laughs> like, who is this woman who I've just met who presumes that, A, I'm going to be hired? Because I was a postdoc. Like, when Joy met me, I was a postdoc here. It was, it was not clear that I was going to stay beyond one or two years at the most, and she kept talking about how I was going to be hired and I was going to become a fellow. And I just thought, this woman is either really deluded or has an enormous amount of faith in this total stranger that she hasn't met. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, knowing what we know about Joy Casson, everyone understands that she has just the most generous spirit in the world, mm -hmm. right? So I would say in some ways, how I got here actually is through, through mentorship. You know, I mean, I think how I got to where I'm sitting right now is the work of a lot of people who saw this kind of raw, naive, enthusiastic, curious person and helped lead me down a path that led to me becoming a professor. But I certainly don't think I would have been here without that kind of mentorship. And it's not a... Um, not any disrespect to my parents, but I'm, you know, I come from a working class immigrant home, 
right, where neither of my parents had college degrees. And so just to even get me to college was a big deal. And I had no plans beyond a BA, right? Like, that was a big deal to get to college. So doing a PhD seemed absolutely ridiculous at the time. And I actually remember being a junior, and my TA for my Shakespeare class was sitting for her um, oral qualifying examinations. And she was describing what she has to had to do to study, right? The right. list of like two to 300 books that she was going to be grilled on for about two or three hours. And I remember thinking to myself, this woman is totally crazy. Why would anyone on earth make themselves willingly do something like this? This is torture. And then five years later, well, there I am, yeah. reading two to 300 books on my list, yeah. about to be grilled, right, for my own PhD qualifying exam. It's a list you made yourself read, too. It's <laughs> right. It's yeah, a list of yourself. my creation. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't I don't know if that is exactly the kind of answer. No, to, it does. Um, it speaks to. And how does mentorship now play a role in in the work that you do? I I continue to be mentored by mm -hmm. people, um, and I continue to seek out mentorship. I think oftentimes we think about it as a one way street, and we tend to think about it as older, more experienced faculty mentoring younger, less experienced faculty students. But I actually feel like mentorship in, in some ways is reciprocal, which is not to take away from the clear power difference that exists in a lot of mentoring relationships that can be fraught. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not to take away from the life experiences that occur in mentoring relationships where clearly someone has more life experience or professional experience. Mm -hmm. But... As I've progressed in my own career, and I'm, I've got tenure, I, you know, knock on Formica, will hopefully be promoted to full within this year. You know, so, so in terms of who I continue to be mentored by, I think it's still the people, people like Joy Casson, mm -hmm. um, Daryl Gless, who has unfortunately, um, unfortunately is no longer with us. Um, he died about two years ago, was a tremendous mentor to me from day one. John McGowan, the former director of the IAH, has been an enormous mentor to me, uh, as well as Jane Danielwitz. So I'm still getting mentored by people here, certainly, in my department throughout college, but I'm also uh, aware that I'm also entering into a relationship where I'm starting to mentor other people, right? So kind of paying it back mm -hmm. in some ways. And I think... I, in, in terms especially of Jane and John, where we've not only, they've not only mentored me, we've become friends, right? Then, then I think it enters, in, your friendship and mentorship sort of enters into a different sphere. Um, and that's actually really nice. It's really kind of, a, kind of the best case scenario when you can develop a friendship out of that kind of mentoring relationship. Do you feel that's a key of a good mentoring relationship is that development into to I don't know, something else beyond just, oh, I'm going to teach you how to do this. Yeah, I mean, I think that ideally a good mentoring relationship does have an element of fraternity, mm -hmm. you know, to use that, that, kind, of, that kind of word, uh, of, of companionship, of familiarity. However, I don't think that you have to have that element to be a good mentor. In other words, I think that good mentorship exists without people – becoming friends or developing 
close relationships, right? I mean, I think that especially for people who like to keep clear boundaries between their work and their personal life, then I think you can certainly be an excellent mentor to your graduate students, let's say. And I, and I do think there's a difference between mentorship that might go on among peers, even if they're of different ranks, than the mentorship that's going to go on between a professor and a graduate student or a professor and an undergraduate student. And I think in those cases, I wouldn't say it's quite appropriate to become friends with my undergraduate students. In fact, I'm actually really clear with them that we cannot be friends while they are undergraduates at UNC (laughs) Chapel Hill. What do you see as your contribution to the future of IAH? What do you? What would you like to accomplish, even if it's not as well formed hmm. yet, because you haven't started? Sort of from your own experience, if you could talk about that. Right. Um, that's a great question. What do I want as? I, I guess let me let me clarify the question. What do I want as a faculty fellow, or what do I would I like to do as the incoming associate director? As incoming associate director, having. Been a faculty fellow. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> As incoming associate director, I like to think of myself having two main hats. I may have other hats that I, I will wear. And one of those hats is to help the director, Mark Katz, um, serve as an interlocutor, serve as a support person for Mark and in, and in turn the IAH. But I think the piece that maybe falls into the faculty fellow piece is I also see myself as maybe an academic matchmaker, you know, like I get to, you know, which is really exciting. Like I can, I can think about different people in different units and try and imagine like, try and introduce people who I think would really benefit from shared intellectual interests, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, like, if there's somebody who's working in women's and gender studies, for example, in digital humanities, actually, the digital humanities group is actually really well established, but let's just say, you know, and she, and there's this other person working in digital humanities, I can say, oh, you know, do you know about so-and-so? Maybe you two should get together. And I, one of the things I'd really love to do that I think would just be enormously beneficial for the college, let alone the IAH, is to create a database of scholarly interests and courses um, and to somehow have that available so that if I were working on an NEH grant, for example, um, on the border, right? I was, like, really interested in border right. studies, mm-hmm. particularly in North America, right? Be that the, the Canada-U.S. border or the Mexico-U.S. border. And then I could see, oh, wait, I didn't realize that there was this person in history who also has this interest in border studies. Or here's a person in sociology who's been teaching on border studies. And so this would be a really great way to connect people together, again, whether that's teaching interests or whether that's scholarly interests, you know, for future collaborations. I mean, I really feel like the place of the IAH is a place where we can come together outside of our academic silos and try and make these interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary connections. So I feel like that's going to be a challenge, but also um, something that's really exciting that I can be doing as the associate director. And, uh, you know, as in your new role, uh, you, you will be working also with new faculty, right? And, and as somebody, when, you, when we first started, you talked about your experience of coming here as a postdoc and 
being shown the incubator, and you're going to be a fellow, and you're going to be fe- and you're going to be tenured, and none of that seemed on the radar at all. What advice would you give to new faculty? I would tell new faculty to try and talk to as many different people as possible. I, again, I, I know I've used the word siloed before. I think it's really easy for us to get tunnel vision, especially when you're when you're brand new and you don't know the lay of the land, and it's hard enough just to sort of figure out what's going on in your department. Mm -hmm. And that's important, and there definitely should be mentors in your department that you should seek out. But it's so important in a place like UNC that's a research one institution um, that faculty find people in other departments to be mentored either by other new faculty members or just to sort of make connections with other people because they have an interest or just because you want to figure out where you should go to the dentist or, right. you know, yeah. um, just sort of, yeah, pragmatic <laughs> yeah, kind of life things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think oftentimes we're afraid to ask questions, even though I think we should, you know, we should know better. But I think, you know, asking questions and trying to seek out conversations and have coffee with different people and if you don't like coffee then you can pick another beverage of your choice is is an important thing to do to be to feel like you're part of this community because that's the other thing I think if you're so focused in your department you may not you may start to feel really isolated right and making connections outside of the department with other people or even outside of UNC Chapel Hill altogether doing volunteer work, getting involved in line dancing, um, in playing music, I mean, whatever it is, I think just feeling like you're connected to this larger community of um, Chapel Hill and the Research Triangle, I think that can be an important part of making you feel like this is home. And I think feeling like this is home is important for anyone to do good work because if you're feeling like you're unsettled and this is not where you belong, that's just going to add to the overall stress and anxiety that one has when they start any new position. Be sure to visit the Institute's website at iah.unc.edu for the latest news on our fellows and upcoming events at Hyde Hall. Check out past and future episodes of this podcast on our website or subscribe to the IAH podcast on iTunes to download episodes automatically to your computer or mobile device. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at IAH underscore UNC.